Hello, friends, and you are our friends. Welcome to another edition of Chris Ranks the Universe. We are now heading into part three of my ranking system of all of the numbered Disney animated classics from Disney Animation Studios. There was some controversy in the first two parts about where stuff ended up on the list. And, well, the controversy is going to continue because we're still on the bottom half. And we're not going to actually get to the top half until we get to whatever half of 58 is. And while I pull up a calculator to figure out exactly what that number is, because I am 100% terrible at math in my head, and by the way, it's 29, I'd like to introduce you to the co-hosts who have been with me since I talked about how much I hated Chicken Little. (laughs) My... (laughs) My my former theme park co-hosts and also part of the CKCC radio community. You know his voice from Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks. You've also heard him on the Cinefan podcast, and you've heard him make several guest appearances on Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk. His name is Jeff Trelowitz, and his books are available on Amazon. Yes, they are. And in fact, I've been on every single one of your podcasts except for uh, Stupid Sexy Podcast, but that will change as well. Oh, that's going to change. Whatever your favorite Simpsons episode is, you are welcome to come on to review it. It's. I don't know that I have a favorite in season one, so it's probably going to be a while before I appear. Well, at the rate I've been recording them, it'll be like a year and a half, so, <laughs> so more than likely. You also know his voice. From the previous episodes of this show, but you know his writing at, and I'm going to give you guys this address here because I want everybody to subscribe to I subscribed last week. So there and you I go. I appreciate that, sir. Uh, marked reviews. That's marked reviews.wordpress.com. Mark Adams reviews the movies, his latest episode, the long and short of the Dr. Seuss live-action double feature, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Cat in the Hat. Mike Myers deserved an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he won a Razzie. Does that count? (laughs) So he got got a statue. It might not have been the one he was hoping for, but... Yeah. He he actually, when I looked into reviewing The Cat in the Hat, he won several um, Razzies. So it depends how you want to look at that. And it's Uh, still better than The Love Guru. Oh, I have man. never seen that, so. <laughs> I think it's on Netflix. All right, so I know I know we're here to talk about Disney, but I have mm-hmm. to throw the DreamWorks reference out because we just mentioned Mike Myers. Is Mike who who is Mike Myers' best ever character? Is it Shrek? Are we going back to Wayne's World? Are we going to do Austin Powers? What's the best Mike Myers character? That is a Chris ranks the universe episode we need to have. Mm. Ranking the roles of Mike Myers. Well, if we're we're talking ultimate Mike Myers, I'm still going, and this is in reference to this week's Wrestle Talk, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, Oh, good one. I I, I thought Dan's reference. That's a great, yeah, well, you you better have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I'd just like to tell you, Mark, that my podcasting co-host, Dan, who has been doing Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk with me since 2013 and has been involved with podcasting or radio show stuff since back in 2005. Since as long as I've been in the wrestling business, that guy's been podcasting, which is insane for me to think about. But uh, 
Dan would like you to know that he has been thoroughly enjoying your voice and would like to hear you do more podcasts. So you have a fan out there. I appreciate that. And uh, whatever I can narrate or podcast for him, I will do my best being inspired by Morgan Freeman to get my voice out there more. Well, you're welcome to join me on any of my podcasts as well. So I will love to take any invites. Uh, Chris, as he mentioned in episode one, popped my podcast podcast cherry. Um, God, I feel like you got that on a t-shirt or something. Should I, should I do the Valvinus laugh for that? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, any podcast that doesn't mind me chiming in, I will be honored to tell you guys, tell you guys this right now, we're going to do a crossover episode. Ranking tracks and Chris ranks. The universe is going to do a crossover where we're going to do the music of James Bond and, Mark, I know you'll want in on that one, and Dan has already yeah. said he wants in on that one because you guys are big Bond fans, and Jeff, while you may not be a Bond fan, you're a music guy, yep. and you'll be able to analyze those songs with no I problem. Already, I could already tell you what my number one would be. I can't. Oh. I could tell you too, but I can't spoil it because then no one's yeah. going to listen to the episode. <laughs> exactly. I but, said I could tell you. I didn't say I was going I could, but I will not. I will say I know my number one Bond song. I know my favorite, but I also know the one I have the most fun with. Yeah, I could actually give you two for that one as well. I could probably split that one up. But today what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to continue my ranking of the Disney films. And thank you guys for all of your hate mail directed towards me and not Mark (laughs) or Jeff. I appreciate that. For the record, we haven't actually gotten real hate mail. I've actually gotten nothing but positive responses. Well... Included the the most hate I got was, hey, I disagree with what you said, but I appreciate the way you said it. So, there you go. <laughs> that was, was so polite. I know it was so nice. It brings a tear to my eye. So, I feel like that's how Canadians insult people. Maybe they were Canadians. Yeah. We have What's we have a, all the Well, Mark Jabroni's <laughs> Canadian. And he's a partner of the of CKCC Radio, so huh. he's in that weird part of of Canada where they're an hour ahead of Eastern time. Oh, yeah. I didn't think or, no, no! It's the half hour. It's that weird one. Oh, where he's he's a, he's a half hour up. Yeah, which makes no sense. But it's Canada, so what are you going to do, eh? <laughs> oh wow! I do, and I do. <laughs> so what a bunch of hosers! What a bunch of hosers, eh? So forty through thirty-one is going to be an interesting list. Most of this list, uh, should I say most? There's a there's a portion of the list that were. Uh, Films I had never actually seen before doing this. And the only reason they're ranked in this part on the what's technically still the bottom, bottom tier is because I couldn't justify putting them above the films that I've already seen and already loved. That's the only reason that they're here. But I'll tell you, I got a lot of positive things to say about some of these movies as we get to them. And uh, there is a couple of classics down here that people might be get a little controversial about why they're down here and everything, but I'll kind of explain. There's there's a lot more positive than negative going on on this list. So you ready for 40 through 31, boys? Let's do it. All right, get out, get, your, get out your uh, get out your torches and your pitchforks and come kill the beast! There's, there's <laughs> a Disney reference. I'm turning the volume up to 11. Oh, boy. So to kick off the list, in the number 40 slot, is a classic Disney movie that I don't... The only reason I've, it's down here is I don't think it's aging very well, but it still has a lot of the best Disney moments in it if you break it down and remove the other parts. 
which I'll explain. Because it's Pinocchio. That's number 40. So let's talk about what makes it so classic. Uh, The Pinocchio story is now timeless. You know, becoming a real boy. No stretches when lying. All that stuff. Absolutely timeless. Jiminy Cricket, wonderful character, makes his debut here. And uh, let's see, When You Wish Upon a Star is yeah. that. My, my, my big blunder from an earlier episode. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But it's also only the second ever Disney movie. So there were still they were still finding themselves at this point. And the big sticking point is the actual source material for Pinocchio isn't a story I'm a big fan of, but I like the Disney take on it. Now, if you want to actually break down some of the negative stuff, the first thing I've always had an issue with is, why the hell does Geppetto bring life to something and his first thought is, I can't bond with you, I'm sending you to school. Like, the day he gets a son... He's just like, nope, you have to go. I can't teach you anything. You have to go educate yourself. Geppetto, you're a bad father. Oh. Well, he's a, he, he's, a, he's a good father overall, but that was just kind of like, eh. Now, the number of times he scruffs Figaro makes me laugh because it makes me think of how many times we've had to scruff my cat for being a jerk. He doesn't do it to Figaro for being a jerk. He just does it because that's how he picks up his cat. I've had to scruff my cat because he was being an a-hole. But to Figaro's credit, he doesn't actually try to massacre the poor goldfish. Because isn't that like the classic cartoon trope there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing with Pinocchio is that when you remove the nice messages, the brilliant song, and then, I mean, you know, the other song, I Got No Strings On Me, that's pretty classic too. The the rest of what's... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to a future ranking. Hey-o. When you take that stuff out, I don't think there's a whole lot a whole lot of positive meat in this story. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, Pinocchio's just too influential. He should not have been on his own the day after he came to life. Because the very first thing that happens is Honest John is just like, Hey, you don't want to go to school. You want to be an actor and do whatever you want. And let's go to Pleasure Island. What? <laughs> oh, R.I.P. I know. Yeah, that's the, the saddest part. That's actually the biggest thing that happened is that we got the Pleasure Island name from Pinocchio, and then they got rid of it while I was doing my college program internship. Uh, well, at least you got to experience it. Oh, yeah, but still. Eight tracks. That was my jam. Oh, yeah. that was. I, I spent a lot of time at the Wild Horse, but I was also at uh, eight tracks a lot because I'm an '80s kid. So Congolous. Well, I got to give a shout out to mannequins. Uh, that rotating floor, especially not, if you've if you've had some uh, liquid courage. That yeah. rotating floor. There's a part of me that's probably still on the floor trying to get off. <laughs> it reminded me of that scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, um, where he's at what is it a casino or something? It's like a circus. And he's going on a bad trip trying to get off the rotating floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, topic. Yeah, no, that's okay. It's it's actually a pretty good uh pretty good relation right there. Uh yeah, so 
Um, Geppetto becomes Jonah because he uh-huh. gets eaten by a whale. <laughs> so, As you do. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that whales consumed people right off the coast of Italy. So you learn something <laughs> new every day, but... <laughs> um, the other thing is, the film always labeled the main bad guy as Stromboli, but he's really harmless when you actually break down the coachman. The coachman uh, is one of the most horrible characters ever. Yeah. He's gleefully taking children away from their families, turning them into donkeys, and laughing at their pain and misery. Is there anything funnier than that? I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could watch kids falling off bikes all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's, it's one of those ones where it's just like, wow, could you get any more creepy with this pleasure island scene and then what the the kid that he's with starts turning into a donkey and starts screaming for his mother it's just like why does disney hate children why do they want to just terrorize children what the hell do we ask that question every single podcast by the well way? at least with these old ones <laughs> yeah but i do like uh I do I do enjoy the songs. I do think An Actor's Life for me is actually pretty catchy, even if it doesn't have the same memorable stuff. I, I And I can't take anything really negative away from the actual characters. The villains work. Although Stromboli's lame if you actually look at what Honest John the Coachman and even Monstro are compared to him. So, yeah. does, does anyone else get hungry when you say Stromboli? Yes. yes. Thank you. Okay, I didn't want to be the only fat kid. I'm yeah, Italian, wait till we re- so... wait till we talk about uh, Ratatouille, and I keep saying Linguini over and over again. Oh God, no! <laughs> uh, only cool thing I remember about the trivia of this movie is that Mel Blanc actually provides some voices. Mm-hmm. So, but I can't tell you guys that like I can't tell you guys that I really like this movie, and I can't also tell you that I hate it because if I did, my nose would grow because I'd be lying. So, oh so I'll yes, yeah. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that. It's only number 40 because I, I don't think it's aging as well as it possibly should be. But nothing inherently negative about it. <clears throat> so let's move on to film number 39 on the list. And this is a movie we already talked about. Well, we talked about them when they went down under. Now we're <laughs> going to talk about their first adventure from 1977, a.k.a. the year Star Wars came out. So maybe you don't remember The Rescuers. This is the year I was born. <laughs> yes. This is the original Rescuers movie. Now, we already kind of touched on this when we talked about Down Under. Uh, this is more of a detective film instead of an adventure film. But the reason I liked it better is because I liked the introduction. I liked the chemistry more. I thought the villain was better. I thought the actual plot was better. Although, they don't really uh, explain how Penny got kidnapped or what Madame Medusa's motivation to steal the big diamond is. Because she keeps saying it's a specific diamond. Yeah. But they actually play off each other pretty damn well. So, it's got some jumpy animation for an early Disney movie. But other than that, I think it's a really good film. And this, like I said, I'd never seen any of the Rescuers movies before I did this project. 
So I was pleasantly surprised watching it. I was like, this is actually pretty fun. And yes, there's no John Candy, but there is a naked lady. hey That's a real trivia thing that's been confirmed. It was in there for two frames. And only if you yeah. had the, if you only if you had that VHS copy. Yep. It's not there anymore. But Gee, I wonder why. I don't know. But you know what I kinda you know what I one thing I kinda had to give uh, a little bit of a negative to down under under this one is is they kinda recycle the characters like the the kid in Down Under is ends up being really strong willed and fights back against his captor, which is the exact same thing that Penny did. She's a strong willed character and fights back against her captors. So I'm it's just sorry, kind of... are you not watching a Disney movie? <laughs> True, but it's <laughs> it was on the nose. But yeah. it's but I always love the idea of the rescuers. It's literally the little guy standing up for the little guy. Because it's a, it's a secret society of saving people. That's what the Rescuers is, right? Right. I would love to see a crossover, Disney Plus, if you're listening, uh, The Rescuers meets The be. Rescue Rangers. Oh, I'd watch that. Right. Can, <laughs> Disney can, Plus, please see Chris. Can we get that while Bob Newhart's still alive? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's really all I actually have to say about the rescuers. And uh, like I said, this is going to be a probably a shorter episode and not too much to say about some of these films because I don't have anything inherently negative to say about them, but I'm not going to like go nuts on the positivity either, which is why they're on this portion. But again, I don't have any issues with the rescuers. I thought it was fun. Can I chime in? I totally had a brain fart and I meant to say it with um, Pinocchio. I'm going to go ahead and say it. The movie wasn't that great. It's the soundtrack that made that movie great. I think without it, that movie kind of would have faded more in time. But thanks to the soundtrack, now it's a Disney classic. But Agreed. That was, I don't know where I went while we were talking about Pinocchio. And then I was just like, oh, I forgot to totally hey, that's say okay. that. <laughs> that's okay. If you got to bring something back, bring it back because I'm totally okay with that. I want to make yeah, sure that's... you guys say what you got to say. But yeah, yeah, as far I'm still against Chicken Little. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going that far <laughs> oh, we don't have to go that far back. All right. <laughs> I'm, not cha- I'm not changing my stance on that one. Although nobody has actually stepped up to defend Chicken Little. The only people who stepped up to defend anything so far was the Black Cauldron. And people still said the exact same thing that Mark said. Was, you know what? Give it another try, but I also can understand why people might dislike something. No one stood up for Chicken Little yet. No. But I know I, <laughs> I, I know someone's going to stand up for Cars, too, when I talk about that. And I know who you are, and I know you're listening right now. Hello. Well, I, <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, I did have a friend, because I was giving your podcast a shout-out, and I said, oh, yeah, we, and Chicken Little got brought up. And we were just talking how low on the list that is. And I think I forgot to mention it was a Disney movie list. And I'm going to give them that credit because they said, well, you know, it's not like it's a Disney movie. So you can't expect too much from Chicken Little. And I did the slow head turn. And I was like, "Um, yeah, it is. So I. (laughs) Chicken Little is like a Sony animation film. It's it's definitely not, yeah. But are, are we still on impact? We need to. 
<laughs> we need to we need to move on. We need to move on here. Is, <laughs> geez, is, go for is it. Vince Russo still writing WCW? Like how far back we want to oh. go here? All right. Please no. Please so, no. So for number thirty eight, I'm gonna say this is a low ranked film, even though it's a classic, only because I've never been a fan of the source material. But I really do like this movie, and that's Alice in Wonderland. I've Ugh. I've never been an Alice in Wonderland fan. I always I, I know Lewis Carroll was on all kinds of drugs when he wrote it, and it <laughs> and it shows. And it's a really wacky, no! <laughs> it's a really wacky zany film that sometimes is really disjointed and doesn't know where it's going. But that is also kind of the point. But. As far as the Disney version goes, it's still the best version I've ever seen is this animated version. <laughs> well, there went that question. Yep, that uh, that one was terrible and I I paid to see that in theater and I'm not yeah, did not I'm, did not have I'm a good sorry. time. I'm sorry. It's it's very nice looking visually. I'll give it that, but well, it's it's Burton, so of course it's going to be. Yeah, but also did you know that Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter were in a Tim Burton movie? <gasps> Luckily, it was only that one though. Did, so. you, did you know? <laughs> did you know that Gene Wilder was in a Mel Brooks movie? <laughs> you know, we can we can play that game, but okay. Did well, you know I... Ben Affleck was in a Kevin Smith movie. Oh. Uh... <laughs> did you know Jason Mewes I... was in a Kevin Smith movie? <sighs> I will say this. I did love that Johnny Depp was in the Tim Burton one, and then he did the park interactive things for Disneyland, where it was like a video where the like the regular day guests interacted with him as the Matt. So well, he's also done that as Captain Jack. So. Yeah, that's so pretty shout cool. Shout out for him. Shout out for him. That is pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, I've I've tried to watch this film a couple of times and really try to and it's it's always gone up for me every time I've watched it because I remember the first time I saw Alice in Wonderland I did not like it at all I yeah. gave it another watch and I'm like okay I can start to appreciate some stuff and watched it a few more times and I'm like you know what it's not going to get any higher than this but I'm starting to understand and appreciate certain parts of it so I'll, I'll say I'll say the good stuff here the disjointed as hell story is the main thing that takes me out of it but i like alice i like the mad hatter and the march hare i love the cheshire cat yeah love the cat i like the queen of hearts even though she's not really she's not really a good three-dimensional villain she's just i'm in charge i'm evil and if you piss me off i'm gonna chop your head off and it's just like oh that's your only note and they had better villains back in the day with some of these movies but you put the characters together and just let them interact and you get a lot of fun stuff. As far as the stuff I don't like, um, the Caterpillar is probably the one thing I liked more about the live action movie because of who the Caterpillar Alan was. Rickman. Exactly. Because it was Alan Rickman, the literal voice of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I like, um, I love the very merry unbirthday, and I think that's clever as hell because today's my unbirthday, so let's celebrate. Uh, the treasure, happy, happy unbirthday. Oh, thanks. Switch places. <laughs> <laughs> um, the visuals are trippy as hell, but they're 
they're very amusing and they definitely give you that sense of wonderment, which is the point. This is Wonderland after all. Although I wonder what the hell is going on quite a few times. Hey. And you know, and I, and I love I think the Mad Hatter, you know, cuz that's how Alan Tudyk portrayed King Candy and Wreck-It Ralph was he basically did his own version of the Mad Hatter. Oh yeah. Uh I like the White Rabbit. It's Mr. Smee as the voice. I feel bad for him because Alice literally destroys his house. <laughs> and he's late. And he's just looking for Marianne. You can't can't hate on that too much. Uh... But yeah, um, I like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, but they're not. They're clearly not good storytellers. And then like that wal- that walrus and the oyster part, I was just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> this is so cruel and so horrible. They just murdered a bunch of children. Oh, it's Disney in the fifties. Never mind. I get it. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to those oysters because a, a beloved friend of mine, Mandy, who I hope listens, um, that's actually one of her favorite Disney characters. Oh, shout out to Mandy. Mandy, I hope you are listening and I hope you'll encourage Mark to do more podcasting. <laughs> yes. Appreciate it. But yes, so if you if you dislike Alice in Wonderland, don't tell the queen because she'll just take your head off and... <laughs> If you paint the roses the wrong color. And I also love that all her minions are playing cards. I always got a kick out of that. And she also yeah. kind of slaughters a couple, a lot of them pretty easily. Like, not even just chaffing their heads off. A bunch of them just get slaughtered. But, oh, and the king of hearts. It's just this little tiny guy. <laughs> yeah, but other other than that, like I said, I've this is the best... Alice in Wonderland I'm going to ever see in my life. So, i got no issues with it. But, it's not one I'm going to go out of my way to rewatch over and over again. So, that's all I got to say about Alice. Yeah, I'm pretty good with uh, that uh, review and ranking. Yeah, I've got no issue with it. Again, is it the best Disney movie? No. Could it be worse? Definitely. So, I think it's a perfect spot. As a film, though, it's a standout of its time period, though. Well, I yeah. think the the animation is another example of beautiful Disney animation. This is a very well-animated movie. I'll definitely give it that. The animation is fantastic in this. You get that beautiful Technicolor scope to it. All right. Well, who are you? Who is number 37? We'll talk about our next movie. This is going to be an interesting choice to put this low on the list, I think, because this movie and the time frame it came out is considered Disney's Renaissance. Oh. It's a 90s movie. But in my opinion, it's the weakest 90s movie. And oh. it's not that it's a bad movie, but it's it's weaker compared to what's around it. And I think it's a victim of its own release period. This is a movie that probably actually would have benefited by coming out in the 70s or 80s. It's oh. called Pocahontas. Yep. And well, it I was is... looking at the 90s list and I'm like... Yeah. Oh, you knew where I, yeah, you knew where I was going to go with that. Cause I look, knew you were... I was like, you're not going to say Tarzan. I think you're going to say Pocahontas. You are correct. Uh, probably the least historically accurate <laughs> depiction of Pocahontas <laughs> of, of all time. But if we went for historic accuracy, 
then we wouldn't have a Disney movie at all. Because <laughs> oh, you go know, ahead and say it. You mean Pocahontas, the animated Avatar? I wasn't going to say that. I was going to bring up the the horrible adult themes that they left out, <laughs> like Oof. her like her kidnapping, rape, and murder, and death at twenty one, and yeah, all that fun stuff for kids. And how she didn't actually end up with John Smith? No, but it's Disney. We have to have the love story. I mean, yeah. Her- Hercules took a lot of creative liberties too. <laughs> so, yeah. and that, but that's another one where that's even more. That's somehow more on Disney than this. But if you're gonna, I think Pocahontas would have benefited from not coming out when it did because it's uh, the positives are the animation is beautiful. But it doesn't stand out compared to what's around it. Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, Hunchback, they were killing it. And Pocahontas doesn't look as good compared to it. I don't know if it's just the the wilderness setting or whatever, but it's... I think Bambi has better wilderness animation than Pocahontas. Now, the soundtrack is top-notch. I will say nothing negative about the soundtrack. It's incredible. Uh... It's and there's nothing negative about the characters. Pocahontas is very likable. I'm glad that uh, Ralph breaks the internet, brought her into the princess category, and got her a little more recognition. And that every time she spoke, her hair moved, even though they were indoors. So I appreciated that. Uh, she's apparently a windbender now. She's an airbender, so that's a thing. But I like I like Nico. Nico's adorable. There's nothing wrong with John Smith. Mel Gibson. Like these good casting. Because whenever I think Disney, Mel Gibson is the person <laughs> I think of. Oh yeah, yes, his clean, wholesome, family-friendly family, yep. PC. Um, Not going to yeah. think anything about his uh, drunk rant at all. I'm. I. I will admit, I'm one of those people who's hoping he makes a comeback. Um, I think he's starting to, but. Yeah, he definitely made some unwise decisions. Can we just be fair and just say that at least Mel Gibson hadn't gone full crazy but when this movie came out, so... Yeah. By the way, John Smith, the Englishman, has a very American accent, in case you were wondering. <laughs> and well, at least it wasn't an Australian accent or wherever he's from. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, he's an Aussie. Yeah. 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 Um, David Ogden <laughs> Steers. Late David Ogden Steers. So I got to say, I thought of Robin Hood Men in Tights when you brought up the accent. Oh, yeah. Why should the people listen to you? Because unlike other Robin Hoods, I can speak with a British accent. Oh, my God. Should we we book a Mel Brooks ranking? Oh, God, that's going to be tough. Because that's going to be like almost the love. Oh, because even the bottom stuff is going to be great. That's going to be a is, tough one. Mel Brooks is in my top three directors, yeah, so I'll be there. Yeah, definitely. But like I said, I like I like the voice acting. And you know who uh, voices Thomas? He's Batman. Yes. I'm Batman. And then he also did a live action, like, Pocahontas movie as well. Who was he in that? Was he John Smith? No, um, he was... It's called the New World, and he actually played Pocahontas's true love in real life. Um, ah, I think Colin Colin Farrell played John yep. Smith in it. Yes, yeah, 
Um, Christian Bale played what's it, John Roth, Rolf, Rolf, Rolf. I think it's Rolf. Thank you, John Ralphio. <laughs> My sister's majors, the worst. All you history majors out there, I feel like are like banging your head against the window right now. That's nah, okay. It's qu- you can chalk that up to quarantine brain. You're good. There you go. Thank you. But that's actually pretty cool because I wasn't aware that that existed. I might have to check that out. But yeah, it's I wanna... a very long Terrence Malick movie um, with brilliant actors, but you're going to be in for a long movie. Well, I watched Gone with the Wind recently, so. How dare you? That is a classic. Well, but you were making a comparison to a long movie, and that's the longest movie I've seen in recent memory, so. Well, then, let me rephrase. That Gone with the Wind is a long movie. Also New has an World intermission. Feels Yes. New World feels... Like a long movie. Yeah, like I've watched a couple of movies that were like an hour and a half long but felt like they were three hours. I've also, (laughs) Jeff will appreciate this, I've also watched a couple of WWE pay-per-views that felt like they were 12. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So so, that's a thing, too. But uh, to get back on track to uh, old Pocahontas here, like I said, 90s probably the wrong time this could have been a standout in the 2000s to break up what we got from home on the range yeah uh but but i think if it was also done in the 2000s they would have had to respect things a little better so i think we might have gotten a little different content as well i never thought of that but yeah i would agree there but yeah i like i like governor radcliffe (laughs) although he is just kind of a villain that's kind of there He's not a standout yeah. villain, but he does he does a good job. And of course, this is like Dave, David Ogden Sears was like on a he was on a roll at this point. He was on a he was in every movie in some kind of capacity, and just getting he was becoming the the main voice of Disney. He was do, he was basically almost in the same boat as uh, John Ratzenberger yeah. when it comes to Pixar. Oh, he's always got to be there at some point. Even in Coco, he has he has one word that he says, but he's there. So yep. you got to get you got to get him in there. Oh, you have to remember him in Coco. Oh, I tried. I tried I with "Remember Me." I'm sorry. That's okay. We'll, we'll you get, get to, points for uh, for trying. We'll get to, uh, we will you. get to that. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Christian Bale would eventually be Batman, but he actually incites a war because he kills Kokuum. <laughs> so, good job, Thomas. Pocahontas also gave one of my favorite um, gifts with the one Native American running from the bushes. Um, it's a it's a personal joy of mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's not much more I can really say here. Uh, and the thing is, Pocahontas as a film doesn't have the same legacy that, like, I'm glad they're utilizing her more, but people aren't going back and being like, oh, let's let's meet John Smith at the parks, or let's put Governor Radcliffe on our favorite villains list, whereas all the other 90s movies are getting ranked. So, you know, well... And, and I will say, Colors of the Wind has aged very well. Whenever I watch the Magic Kingdom show, or even, geez, Fantasmic, and that song comes on, you just people get into it. They love colors. Oh, yeah, of the wind. it's amazing. And 
just around the river bend is great too. Yeah. I I'm not those are those are like true standout classic songs that are still remain Disney classics from what is probably Disney's weakest film of the 90s of that renaissance period, but it's it's got its positives and its negatives. I would say this about Pocahontas. Watch it independently. Don't watch it the way I did by doing it in order because it's not going to hold up. <laughs> and my hot take on it, I honestly did not like this movie. That's it And just, that's fine. It bored me. <laughs> I, I will be, since we're doing confessions, um, I, I have been scolded for this. I think I've only seen Pocahontas once, maybe twice. No, I only saw it the one time, and I'm like, all right, well, I can say I've seen it. Yeah, that's one of those movies where you're just like, I've seen this. When that's your review of the movie is, that's a movie I've seen. And I may, I do need to watch it again, because it was, it was Little Mark. Maybe, maybe Taller Mark will appreciate it more. I can understand that. I, and again, I haven't seen it in probably 20 years so or whenever it came out like i saw 95 it's that old Mm. yeah so i saw it when it first came out on video and i'm like oh okay well that happened for everyone at home a video is what we used to watch our movies on (laughs) before dvds were even a thought and i believe it was also pre-laser disc did y'all yes. be kind and rewind? Oh, yeah, every time. Yeah, I did too. Because I, I didn't want to be fined for it. I was that guy. I did uh, I did my rewinding. That yeah, was. that's all I got to say about Pocahontas. Let's move on. Number 36. Uh, actually, 36 and 35 are going to have two big things in common. They, I had never seen them before doing this project. They have both were movies that really fell under the radar on Disney. Both of them are criminally underrated. So, of course, why are they on your bottom tier? Because I like other stuff more than it. Get over it. But I'm going to say positive stuff about this because, my God, these movies deserve a watch. They 100% deserve a watch. Coming in at number 36 is Treasure Planet. Oh, yes. This is a very underrated, underappreciated movie. It's really fallen by the wayside. And I was just like, I remember going into it. I'm like, this is going to be interesting because how is this going to work? How are we going to take the classic pirate story and give it a space theme? And I'm like, this is awesome. Why don't people talk about this movie more? The only reason it's down this low on my list is I can't rank it higher because I had never seen it. And I still like X amount of movies more than this. But it's got a fantastic cast. It's a fun movie. It's a clever take on a classic story. Yeah. It was even nominated for Best Animated Feature. So Yeah, but also now, nowadays pretty much any Disney movie is nominated. Yeah, but this was this wasn't the norm back in two thousand two. Especially sure. especially because animation movies were really making a huge comeback in the early two thousands. Right. I mean you have and- Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Jim Hawkins. Brian Murray is John Silver. 
<laughs> which is amazing. Uh, David Hyde Pierce, Emma Thompson, Martin Don't Short. Don't leave out Martin Short. There we go. Laurie Metcalf, Tony Jay's the narrator. I just, I, I don't understand why this I movie think, doesn't get more recognition. It's just, it's so forgotten. I think it's a great way to bring, like, no offense to um, Stevenson, the author of the original novel, but mm -hmm. I think this take made it, like, just very interesting for everyone. Now, I will admit, Muppet Treasure Island is my preferred treasure. Um, oh, it's the best. It's the best thing. But Treasure Planet, I watched it for the first time, I think a year ago. And I like it stuck with me all week. And I said, dang, I got to watch that again. I had so much fun. Even got a great song in it. <laughs> yes. It's only got the one song, but it's got a great song in it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a clever take. It doesn't really, I'll say this. If there's one true negative about this movie, it doesn't really take any major creative differences. It's pretty good with the source material, just creatively changing it to be space-themed. It doesn't take any real risks as a result, but the uh, the actual story is just, it's fun. I like Ben, the robot. He's funny as hell. He's like, he's like C-3PO, but <laughs> with... Uh, <laughs> He's like he's like if C3PO combined with Bender and just had uh, a brain malfunction. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make a controversial opinion statement right here. Oh, uh, you don't I, like you don't like Ben? No, no, no. I like Treasure Planet more than Lilo and Stitch. Ooh, that is controversial. Came out I the same out. year. Get out. I I think it's a better them be fighting I, words. I think it's a better <laughs> film. It's a more complete film than Lilo and Stitch. Oh, I'm gonna. I'll sit back and let you guys fight about that one. <laughs> I, I don't like your. I used to do a Stitch impression. It's been a while since I've done it. Uh, Jeff, I, I, Jeff, I'll I make would, you feel better right now. We're not going to talk about Lilo and Stitch on this episode. Good. All right. <laughs> I, I will even go as far, and I know, like my best friend Frankie hates when I say this, but. I think Stitch is one of the most overrated Disney characters. Ooh. And to quote, right, I'm to, leaving right now. To, no, no, no. to quote Ben from Parks and Rec, I don't get it. I just, I don't get it when he's talking about Little Sebastian. I don't you know get what's, it when people. You know what's funny? I've heard that a lot more than I ever expected to. I feel like Stitch is a character you either love him and he's the best, or you just don't like him and don't get it. That's the only that, reviews I've ever heard. Now Stitch I love is my that, favorite character. So and that's just it. I love that Stitch brings joy to so many people. But I all I'm going to say is I don't get it. But I'm very happy because I've seen kids go running up to Stitch plushes like it's Mickey, and I'm I'm you know I am glad Stitch makes a lot of people happy. I've ran up to Stitch at Tomorrowland. Oh, I, don't get me wrong. I've taken a picture with Stitch. There's. I went to a not so scary Halloween dressed as Stitch, and he saw me while I was in line for him, and he pushed people out of the way to run to me. Uh, pictures or it didn't happen. 
Oh, there are <laughs> pictures. There are pictures. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna we're killing a lot of our Lilo and Stitch discussion. Sorry, 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 sorry. All right. Let me ask you this: What's your opinion of Morph? Uh, <laughs> I I honestly don't know that I've even seen this movie, so I really can't answer it. That's fine. Morph is um, the cute little the cute little blob. I. I know I have gotten ragged on this, but I I think Morph is now after just saying I don't get the love of Stitch, people are gonna rip me a new one, but I I like Morph. <laughs> I think he's cute. I think he's way better than Gurgi. Oh yeah. He's, no, he's got he's got a little he's got a little bit of annoyance stuff going on, but he's yep. not bad. And For, uh Annoying sidekick characters. I dig him. I think the big negative, though, is that uh, the John Sil- the uh, Long John Silver design is weird. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing really overly scary about Scroop other than he's kind of got a creepy design because he's an insectoid. But otherwise, he's not interesting. But- now, w- once again, Disney Plus, if you're listening, I think... This would make for a beautiful live-action TV show if you dug Once Upon a Time. I think Treasure Plan would be really cool for a live-action show. That could be really interesting, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's the basic story, but it's it's not bad. I was I was pleasantly surprised by this, and I like I like my sci-fi stuff. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, um. We'll talk about the next movie on the list, uh, number thirty-five. I think I already know. We're 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 gonna keep the sci-fi theme going. Another one, never saw it, very under the radar, and I watched it. I'm like, why doesn't this movie get more appreciation? It's Meet the Robinsons. Why doesn't this movie get more appreciation? And it makes everyone cry. That's true. Laurie Metcalf's in this too. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, I oh, and the, you know what? When it comes to and we've already said there's going to be lots of spoilers on this show, so the twist uh, in this film was brilliant. Both twists, yeah, yep. The the reveal as to who the villain was and who the the dad was. The, it's very, it's a very very well done computer animated movie, and considering it came out only two years after Chicken Little was a gigantic step up in the computer animation department. It's not Pixar beautiful, but it absolutely works. And it's a, it's a fun, clever take, you know? He's a, Lewis is this, he's a, growing up in an orphanage, he's an, he's an aspiring inventor, he's brilliant, all his inventions Ever- keep scaring off all the people who want to come adopt him. Everybody thinks it's uh, symbolism for Walt Disney. Yes, I have heard that before. And he meets Wilbur Robinson, who's a time cop. Remember, <laughs> remember time cop? So <laughs> glad my dad. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> and from Ferris Bueller, Mia Sarah. Mm-hmm. And I like that the bowler... The bowler hat guy's main, uh, main quote unquote sidekick is Doris, which is just the bowler hat. Just 
basically a remote control robotic hat. But it works, yeah. So he gets to take Lewis to the future. And Lewis mm-hmm. meets the dad and discovers that Cornelius Robinson is actually himself and this guy's his son. And it's and then of course Goob. <laughs> oh, Goob. <laughs> and we learn that Doris is actually one of the failed inventions and it all ties in together and it was those da- that damn little league game <laughs> that made that turned Goob to evil. It's uh it's a really it you know what this kind of reminds me of? This is the kind of thing that you would see in like on like a cartoon network type show. Is what I kind of got the impression here. This doesn't feel Disney. This feels like something that Cartoon Network would write for not an adult swim lineup, but like a like a Dexter's Lab, Johnny Bravo, Powerpuff Girls type lineup. Is so yeah. I was I was gonna say the villain kind of reminded me from like um, the Hanna Barbera cartoons, the yeah. Dick Dastardly. Yeah, because he's got the mustache and everything. Yep. Now, I've never seen this movie, but I want to see it now just because I'm looking at the cast and the fact that Adam West is in a Disney movie. Yes. yes. And you don't have to watch Chicken Little to get Adam West in a Disney movie. Oh. <laughs> hey, I said that was a positive part of Chicken Little. <laughs> That's true. You did. You did. Angela Bassett's in it, too. I forgot about and that. And Tom Selleck. And his mustache. <laughs> Indeed. That glorious mustache. <laughs> And then you can't forget the uh, Rob Thomas song. Oh, yeah. Rob, I, I, I did forget about it. So maybe yeah. you can forget about it. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this movie deserves a watch. If you guys have – anybody out there has never seen Meet the Robinsons, this is really underrated. And the T-Rex. Oh. <laughs> Big head, little arms. Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, this, is a, this is a very good movie. Um, I just, I can't rate it any higher because everything above it was either something I hadn't seen that drag struck me more, but almost everything after this is something I had already seen. So, but yeah, I, I recommend Meet the Robinsons. I was pleasantly surprised with how much I actually enjoyed this movie. So you ready to delve back into a classic for number 34? Let's do it. Okay. The greatest uh, Disney villain of all time to never actually appear on screen. And the saddest moment in a Disney film ever takes place in Bambi. Because Bambi's mom is murdered by a hunter. And how about that for an unseen villain to have that much of an impact? (laughs) And yet, man's only a villain through the eyes of the forest creatures. Otherwise, it's just a run-of-the-mill hunter. Yep. But you have to view Bambi through the eyes of the forest. And he's the prince. He's the prince of the forest. He's the cute little prince of the forest. <laughs> so, I I jokingly say that for Disney's fifth ever film, this was a really good... This is very well done. For just a nature movie, for basically National Geographic Pacific Northwest... Which is what this movie is. Yeah. Uh, this is really well done for 19, uh, 1942. And while Thumper's an annoying little jerk at times, 
I think that he is a cute addition to try to get Bambi to, like, break out of his shell. Because he's super shy. He's a fawn. You ever seen a fawn in the forest? They're shy. You can't fault him for that. But yeah, this is, uh, I, I always remember they would always play the, the Bambi walking on ice scene as like mm -hmm. one of those Disney channel, like, okay, well, between shows, we're going to play a clip from a movie and they always showed Bambi trying to skate on the pond. And I was like, this is so cute. He can't, he can't do it. And he keeps falling and aw. And then so, you find out the truth. Yeah. I think I need to go back and rewatch Bambi because I I remember like cute parts, but and you brought this up earlier. I think the movie is like one of those shorter ones, like a little over an hour, I think. And I I just remember it having like these cute little segments, but as a film as a whole, I think it's on the weaker side. Well, it's also why it's on this part of my list. It's still bottom tier. But I'm putting it above some of the other stuff because I have been a fan of the movie for a while. And yes, in subsequent re-watchings, I will stipulate that it is another one of those movies where moments are good. Overall, it's kind of just not really sure what's what's happening. And right. yes, it's 70 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. but at the same time, when something has stuck with me for that long, even if it's technically bottom tier i i can't you know I, I can't say anything else negative about it now i do admit that there are some weird parts like when he becomes an adult other than his brawl with the other deer there's nothing really interesting there other than thumper's apparently a boy <laughs> and flowers still flower and uh, there's an entire scene that all but teaches kids about sex because <laughs> you know, still better than the making of me. Yeah, oh. uh, I was wondering when that was going to get brought up. Well, we were talking Martin Short earlier, and I wanted to throw it in there. Yeah. So, didn't I, I? Everybody always talks about how man is evil because he shot Bambi's mom, and it's obviously sad. But can we? There's two things I want to talk about here. One. The deer with the big antlers that takes Bambi away, is that his father? And does he just not care? Because <laughs> I've never figured that out. I he's think he just adopts him. Established that. Yeah. I think, I think he just adopts him into the, the gathering. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get that. Um, You're an orphan now. You're coming with me. And everybody says man is evil because he shot Bambi's mom. No, man is evil because it burned down the damn forest. So apparently fuck Smokey the Bear. <laughs> because I don't know if Smokey the Bear existed in 1942 or not, but my God. Maybe Smokey the Bear existed because this movie existed. <clears throat> but the one thing I will ha I've always had a problem with, and I even had an issue Smokey with this as a Bear kid. Smokey the Bear came out in 1944, so... Ah, that's why. Uh, yep. Bam Bam we didn't the know we about forest smoky. fires yet. <laughs> we did now. So, oh boy. <laughs> uh, this had a pro. I had a problem with this as a kid, and I still have a problem with this as an adult. How do you follow up Bambi's mom dying with that freaking springtime song, and just expect <laughs> everything to be better? How? <laughs> that is poor placing. Uh, 
Also, Flower hibernated, and that was probably a great idea. Why the hell didn't Bambi? Deer, <laughs> do deer not hibernate? I'm pretty sure they do. Uh. So what if, I'll throw it out there. Would we all hate the hunter less if there was a lost, deleted scene where the hunter walked past a sign saying, um, area open for hunting season permits? And so legally he is allowed to hunt there? No, because he still shot his mom. Yeah. Uh I mean, it was worth a shot, but no, I don't think that would have really affected Uh, Oh, I see what you did there. It was worth a shot. I didn't even mean that, but (laughs) (laughs) that was completely unintentional. I didn't even see what I did there. And then the other negative thing I've never figured out is at the end of the movie, does Bambi just flat out abandon his children and become a forest spirit? (laughs) I can't figure that part out. Somebody's going to have to explain that to me. No, I don't hate the movie. Um, I think it's aging better than some of the older movies are like Pinocchio, like we talked about, but yes. But yes, it is definitely a movie with where there are more classic scenes than there are a whole good film. But I like the film as a whole better than something like Pinocchio or Alice or Dumbo. <laughs> I ain't getting over that one. Sorry, kids. <clears throat> so we got three more movies to talk about. Uh, two I'd seen, one I hadn't. We're going to talk about one I had seen. That I actually owned on VHS. I think my mom bought it for me on VHS. And was like, oh, you'll like this. And I did like it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the original. Because the VHS didn't come out until 1996. And this movie came out in 1988. So it was kind of lost for a little bit. In a way. But uh, mom bought it for me because it was like, oh, look, it's a kitty. It's Oliver and company. It's oh. o- and Oliver, Billy Joel, and Dom DeLuise. <laughs> so, and Robert Loja. Robert Loja. I yeah. think this should have been lower, or <clears throat> depending how you look at it, I think it should have been closer to the bottom of your list. Fair assessment, but I'll tell you why it's not. In this case, in this case, I am a fan of the source material. I like the story of Oliver Twist. Okay. So I like the twist. See what I did there? <laughs> of, I also, it, this was also one of the first, This you know, it is the first modern Disney movie because it takes place in the year it came out. It's modern New York City and it's, uh, it is actually an interesting take to see it. The, the part that gets me is the very beginning where all the kittens are getting adopted and he almost drowns. And I'm like, I can't do this. But then after that, it's a fun ride. Just get uh. past the fart. And you know what? If you're a shady-ass businessman, Mr. Sykes, talking to you, Bill, and you want to murder a homeless guy and his dogs, you suck. <laughs> you suck. You suck. You, you suck. suck. I also do like the soundtrack because I love Billy yes. Joel as Dodger. And I love Why Should I Worry? Why Should I Care? It's a great I will song. give you that. I do love the soundtrack. I love uh, Bette Midler as Georgette. Yep. As speaking of Billy Joel, check out this week's episode of Ranking Tracks. Oh, that's a good tie in there. 
Uh, anything with Billy Joel, I'll be there. There you go. Also, can I, I got to give a shout out to uh, Winston the Butler because he's watching pro wrestling. <laughs> and he's so into it, too. Like my uh, my maternal great-grandmother who apparently used to scream at the TV when Bruno San Martino was on. Was she screaming good things or bad things? Hit him, hit him, you son of a bitch. Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, she was she was full-blooded Italian and didn't speak of the English. And Bruno San Martino was the Italian hero. So I just, yep. just but this 1988, so he's probably watching Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Snap into a Slim Jim. Bones freak off. out, freak out, freak out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I could see why people would rank this one low because I can see the, the take not being received so well. But I think the cast is really good. And how many times is Cheech Marine going to be in a movie? <laughs> he does a lot, does a lot of Disney stuff. Lion King, Cars. And he's good at it too. I'll... I'll say this, though. If you asked me, Mark, would you rather watch Oliver and Company or Bambi? I would say I'd rather watch Oliver and Company. Well, there you go. Well, it's above all. It's above Bambi, isn't it? It is. Um, I think the ending chase scene is actually pretty intense, considering what what the chase scene is. You know, he's driving on a freaking train tracks. His dogs get electrocuted to death. Like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, yes, I know we're getting into the uh, that era of Disney darkness, but... <laughs> considering what we're getting out of this it is actually kind of kind of scary especially because he's literally trying to murder animals and a guy who is just homeless because he's a shady ass businessman well always with the cigar too because that's how you know he's evil because apparently you, they all smoke cigars or something but did you know that <laughs> yeah, it's, you know villain tra- we should do we should do a ranking of uh, the best villain uh, stereotypes in movies Ah, see here, twirling mustaches and monocles, and we could have fun with monologuing. that. Monologuing, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you yeah. caught me monologuing. You, you sly dog. You caught me monologuing. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think this is an underappreciated movie, but it's also in that weird time frame where it is kind of forgotten about because Little Mermaid came out right after it and started dominating the scene, so it falls by the wayside. It's also. One of the first good examples of computer animation in a Disney movie. I know uh, Black Cauldron and uh, Great Mouse Detective also experimented with that. But it's it's done well for the 80s. So, can't say anything about it. Uh, as far as negatives go, because of the, the setting and everything, there's no beautiful animation to counteract the other stuff that we're seeing. You know, Little Mermaid comes out, it's got the underwater scene, and then you have... The Beast Castle and uh, Agrabah and Pride Rock, so it is sort of a it, it's sort of a victim of the time frame that came right after it. But I think it's worth a watch. I think people should watch Oliver and Company. I enjoy it quite a bit. And then go check out Ranking Tracks. There you it's go. Well, Billy you guys, Joel, the Piano Man, the Entertainer. You guys should always be listening to Ranking Tracks. And Real Paranormal Talk and Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk and Stupid Sexy Podcast. I'm just saying. <laughs> so we got two more movies to talk about. The next one, number 32, is another one I had never seen before, but I had heard about its reputation. And I was like, people are like, by the way, uh, this movie is 
is really sad. And I'm like, why is it sad? It's like, you will see. It's called The Fox and the Hound, and you know exactly which sad scene I'm talking about, don't you? When you're the best of friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a heart-wrenching scene. Oh, what about when she, like, the older lady leaves him on the side of the road? Yeah! What the... What the actual... When you're the best of friends. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Red-headed lady reaching for an apple. Oh, so, first of all... Wait, wait, isn't the one part where it's like, I'm a hound dog. Isn't that from that movie? My way off. I think it is, yeah. I I, I I might be getting my dogs mixed up. That might be Lady and the Tramp, too. Who the hell knows at this point? Yeah. I got quarantine brain, too. but And I'm not even quarantined. <laughs> but let's... We'll talk about Fox and the Hound. First of all, this is an emotional ringer. And because of how emotional it was, it's ranking lower as a result of that. Because I don't want to just rush back in and rewatch it. But it is a very good movie. Todd's the abandoned baby fox. His mom is shot and killed. And the old widow adopts him because she just wants companion. And, of course, the hunter and the tracker is bad because, you know, he kills foxes, so he's only bad by association there. And when Copper becomes a hunting dog, it ruins the friendship. And that's... So there's that sad rift in there. And then... Now he wants to murder Todd because Todd's responsible for the old chief's broken leg. Poor chief. I love how they led you to believe that they killed him off and then the next shot. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I was starting to lose it at that point. I'm like, all right, this is killing me right now. It's like, okay, good. He's alive. (laughs) And then, of course, the only way for the widow to protect him. And this says a lot. In one of Disney's most heart-wrenching scenes ever is when she has to. Yeah, when she has to just leave him in the forest. But fortunately, he finds a female fox, and he's an older fox now, so you know what that means. Nobody can see the <laughs> n- nobody can see the circle and the finger motion I'm making right now. But it's Disney, and they totally do that. By the way, <laughs> wait, 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 wait till we get to what Simba and Nala did. They're actually Hey-o. they're actually cousins. Hey all, <laughs> so nature, that's in that nature. <laughs> That's how it is in that family. Yeah, it's a good reference. Well, I brought up Mia Sarah earlier, so again, thought I'd just... You gotta. But, you know what? We get the nice redemption story, because... You, you saves Copper from the bear and the hunter. The field train is painful, but at least there's a lot of comic relief, and it's got a very feel-good ending. And who plays the main characters... Mickey Rooney and Kurt Russell. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, did you know that the voices of Piglet and Tigger are the Porcupine and the Woodpecker? You can hear it. It's the original yep. Paul Winchell. Now, I gotta I, go I, back and listen now. Yeah. And what? Kurt Russell was in a Disney movie? <laughs> <sighs> Shout out to Sky High. Oh, Sky High. That's on Disney Plus. Yay. But yeah, uh, 
I would rank Fox and the Hound higher if I didn't have to endure the feel train to rewatch that movie. But I liked it, and it was another one I had never seen it before. It was my first time viewing, and I genuinely enjoyed it. Before I get to the last movie, though, I'm looking at the list here, and I think there's only... Yep, there's only two more movies left on the entire list that I had not seen prior to doing this picture. Uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet and Frozen 2 don't count, because obviously... I did the project before they came out. But there's only two movies that were in that category that were better than Fox and the Hound as far as the never seen but really liked films. And we'll get to them in the next episode because I've seen the last movie we're going to talk about here as we start to reach the official halfway point where we're really going to start getting into those positives. We're going to talk about another one we've already talked about the sequel of. Now, I believe Jeff said he did not like this movie. And that is Fantasia. You are correct. Yes. Uh, Fantasia's low on my list for two reasons. One has has a weird mismatch of good and bad and a lot of skippable stuff. And two, it's really, really long. It does have an intermission, after all. In fact, you trim down some of the live-action scenes, you probably could have... shaved off about 15 minutes and for what the movie is as brilliant as it is two hours was too long for it but with that said sorcerer's apprentice is one of the most classic disney things ever created especially from that time era and i love that before mickey becomes his goody two-shoes squeaky clean john cena baby face that he is now (laughs) he was kind of a heel back in the day and i appreciate that about mickey And it's Mickey's feature film debut. Some of the animation is so stunningly beautiful with the music compilation that you're you're literally wowed by the visuals. And again, while I'm not a fan of the movie, I can agree to that. That, Yeah. You know, visually, it's stunning. It's nothing had been done even close to this magnitude prior to this. So there's no arguing what what you're seeing and how beautiful it looks. There was a lot of racist stuff that they cut, by the way. And I'm really yes. glad about that. <clears throat> um, with some of the other stuff, though, like, Zeus is an asshole in this. <laughs> like, yep. he's a big asshole in this. Uh, the centaurs are totally going to pork. And they also only hook up with their own colored centaurs, which is totally racist. And that's where we, we cut the racism out. Uh, Stegosaurus and T-Rex didn't live in the same era, people. All right? This isn't the Lost World Jurassic freaking park. <laughs> and did you notice how all the dinosaurs watch the T-Rex commit a murder and then just casually walk away? Circle of life. Care. Yep. I like the ballet scene. The hippos and the, the ostriches and everything. I like that. But I'd have to say, other than Sorcerer's Apprentice, I think that uh, Night on Bald Mountain is one of Disney's greatest things ever done. It has a really abrupt ending, even though the ending is perfect, but you do the whole Chernabog, source of evil, all the demonic scenery and everything, and then the sun rises, he fades back into the mountain, and you get that angelic scene at the end. It's so awesome. So awesome. Chris, I'm not going to lie. Hearing you talk about the movie, it sounds like it should have been lower on your list. Like, you definitely talked more favorable about other films that 
but I can't. Lower than it. That's that's a fair point, but I have to put it where it is because it might be one of Disney's best animation. It's Disney's best animation from that era. It's it's the entire soundtrack is brilliant. And at times it's downright clever, you know, the little the little musical note pops up or the and they're just like, "Oh, don't be shy. We'll play music and make you you'll represent it and everything." It's very clever. For an older Disney movie, it's among one of the top tier stuff. But I've also seen it a bunch of times. It's stuck with me for years. You know, I actually saw it when I was a kid and I loved it then. And even though I do think it's got pacing issues and some parts that are kind of like, what? I think it's, as far as classics go, it's a very, very, it's something that has stuck with me for so long. Same with, uh, like, how I defended Bambi in that respect. It's been with me yeah. for so long, I can't justify putting it any lower. It's always been there. It's always been with me. It's always been part of what I've loved about watching these movies. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Fantasia is perfectly justified in the number 31 spot. And I, your argument's funny because I know people are going to message me and tell me that they think Fantasia should be way higher. Because I know Fantasia is a favorite among a lot of people I know. But I've also heard I, people echo Jeff's point of view, too, so. I will admit I like Fantasia. I think it was a bold movie to do where you have classical pieces of music, especially with classical music just isn't the most, like, gripping thing to get people to watch a movie. Um, I I like it, but I totally understand why it's not people's thing. Sure. Absolutely. It's the last movie we're going to talk about for this this week's episode, but and I know people are going to say, well, it's, it's still technically bottom tier, but there's really only, the halfway point is number 29, so there really only is one more movie to talk about as far as what's technically bottom tier, and I really don't have anything inherently negative to say about Fantasia. There are parts of it that are skippable. But the parts that are good are among some of the, in my opinion, some of the best things I've ever seen Disney do. Sorcerer's Apprentice and Night on Bald Mountain are two of my favorite things ever done by Disney. So I can't rank it higher because of the other stuff, but I can't put it lower because of how much I love those elements. In fact, I even put Night on Bald Mountain, the entire score, in my Halloween playlist. Ooh. Good, dark visual stuff. But that's that wraps up the next 10 movies on the list. There's 30 films to talk about. If you have the list in front of you, are you surprised that you haven't seen anything yet? <clears throat> Is there a movie that I still haven't talked about that you're, that you're happy that I haven't talked about yet? Because that means it is going to be an upper echelon film. Yeah, I mean, most of my top movies we have not talked about. Well, there you go. Mark Bashing one. well it hasn't appeared on my list yet where's it going to be on the list jeff where does lilo and stitch fall is it number one is it number 10 is it number 30 (laughs) am i going to talk about it first thing next week we don't know yet that's the teaser i'm gonna go with it'll be in the within the first three that you talk about next week next week huh okay wait no never mind you actually got really excited talking about it i think it's pretty high on your list Ooh, you sure about that you sounded really excited about it 
Yeah. Well, you might be surprised where it falls in place. You might be surprised at where a couple of things fall in place. But I'll tell you guys this right now. <clears throat> next week, when we cover the next ten movies, they really are positives. And, of course, there are the last two movies that I hadn't seen prior are going to fall onto the list. It's, it's where they fall. You're going to be surprised at what I talk about. You might, but maybe not when you then you when then you realize what's still to come. So, yeah. So if you if you actually look at the list, you're going to be like, oh yeah, look at what hasn't been mentioned yet. That's very interesting. So, but I will uh, I will give you guys one preview of what will be in next week's collection. A, the, it will be number one. You can figure out what that means all on your own. Number one will be next week. As far as other stuff, you'll also hear the last two remaining films on the list. And, well, there's going to be a couple more animals we're going to talk about. Because as I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot more animals coming up. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you will be, you're going to notice... As we get higher on, you'll start noticing where a lot of my tastes in film come from and why certain things ended up where they were because there's a big influence that came from my childhood and my taste in movies now and how they rank. And that's why stuff ends up where it is. But it's up to you guys to figure out which of the 30 remaining films appear where you will see. You will see them. Or maybe not. Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you guys once again for joining me for another edition of Chris Ranks the Universe. These Disney movies have been fun, but we're going to start getting, we're about to get over the hump, as they say, and we're going to start really reaching towards the top of the mountain now. And I've, I'm still curious if people have figured out what my number one is, but maybe you already know and maybe you'll be very surprised, especially when we get down to the fact that there's only 10 movies remaining and people realize... Oh, crap. That's what's left? Well, here we go. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I already did plugs for you guys, so no need to repeat it. But please subscribe to CKCC Radio. Check out the other great content. Subscribe to Mark's blog. And anything you'd like to say as we close out the show, gentlemen? Uh, just getting ready to do another Real Paranormal Talk coming up later Something tonight. That's... So. Something to check out for CKCC Radio. Mark, any last words? Uh, today was a lot of fun. Thank you guys for the shout-outs. Um, I'll be sure to check out that Billy Joel one because now I just want to put on, like, Billy Joel's Greatest Hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on that one, I ranked all the songs off an Innocent Man album. Oh, even better. That's fine yep. with me. That's I'm good be, with that. Yeah. <clears throat> I checked it out. I'm not going to spoil what's on it, but and uh, but yes, if you guys want to hear all this awesome content, ckccradio.podbean.com, or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at CKCC Radio. Every time a new episode goes up, it automatically posts to both the Facebook page and the Twitter account. So you can subscribe in any one of those three ways and get all of the wonderful content. We are approaching 600 downloads among all of our episodes, and I want to thank everybody for their continued support. Please continue. Spread the word. Spread the love. And gentlemen, have a magical day.
Have a good one, everybody. Aww. We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next week for another Chris Ranks the Universe. Can't wait. <laughs>